It's been more than three months since hackers breached security provider RSA's computers, pilfering the secret seed data used to generate the one-time passwords for RSA secure ID tokens. Earlier this month, RSA said the hack compromised 40 million tokens and it will replace them. But is that enough? What should secure ID users do? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to answer those questions, I'm joined by Steve Vincic, Vice President and Partner for Enterprise Security at Unisys. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Eric. Uh, first off, can you briefly explain what these seeds are and how that works with the secure ID tokens? With RSA secure ID and, and uh, token technology, so what the, you know, kind of back up, what that provides uh, a corporation is what we call multi-factor authentication. So uh, if you consider today where you have a, a username and password that might give you access into an application or might give you access into your network uh, remotely by providing a username and password using something like an RSA secure ID uh, or token, which provides a one-time password, is a, is a second factor of authentication. So this is, uh, when we look at authentication, we look at uh, something you know, which would be a password, uh, something you have, which could be this one type of password token from an RSA security type token, or, or something you are, so a biometric type of capability, such as a fingerprint or an iris scan that can authenticate you into a system. So combining those, each time you add another level of authentication you or another factor of authentication, you increase the amount of security around accessing those applications. And so when we look at the RSA Secure ID token, that's a second form of uh, uh, authentication into a network or into a system that allows you remote access into your network resources. With the RSA Secure ID, what they have is a, a one-time password, which is generated by a seed ID or the secret key, which basically is this random number that's put together to develop a specific set of private codes for your organization. This allows your secure ID token to be different than somebody from a different company's. So you'll never have the same type of number appear. And then what happens with that, that seed as it's generated, um, it regenerates a secure ID number uh, that's provided to you on this token, however often you want to do it. So typically every 60 seconds you'll get a new a uh, number that's associated on this token that you have to use in order to log in to your network. And then after that 60 seconds is up, um, it generates a new token, which then you need to use to log back in. And that old token is no longer valid. So that secret seed key is, is of critical importance because it's kind of the brains behind the generation of these tokens. And if somebody finds out what that secret seed key is, they then have the ability to understand what are those token numbers being generated, and they can then go ahead and access your network uh, from, from different locations. Simply, I see two solutions. There may be more. One is get the new tokens from RSA and keep using Secure ID, or look for another way to secure access to your system. Are there other options? No, those are two very valid options, and I think RSA is certainly doing a lot of the right things to try to get some of their customers on to new security tokens that might may have been compromised with this attack with a new seed key that that'll be private and uh, that hasn't been compromised. So I think that's one option. The other option is to go with another vendor who's in this space that uh, provides you know similar type of one-time password tokens, whether they're actually a hard token that you could have a key fob type device 
device or whether it's a soft token that can be installed on your mobile device, such as an iPhone or a Droid phone. There are applications today that uh, are soft tokens, which basically is a software application that generates these one-time password tokens every 60 seconds or however you set it up. Kind of the same concept as a, uh, a secure ID type token, but it, it allows uh, the user to be able to just have it on their iPhone. So I think those are two approaches. But at the end of the day, I think what that does is it's kind of keeping the status quo and, and letting you do, you know, the same as usual type of security. Because if it was attacked once and hacked once, it can certainly be done again. You don't want to have to go through another case of now my RSA security has been hacked again. What do I do to protect against that? If you are an a secure ID user, besides getting these new tokens, what else should you be doing to make sure that uh, when you log into a system, it's, it's secure and it's you logging into the system? There are a number of things that, that should be done, and it's a lot of the basic blocking and tackling that any security administrator should be doing within an organization today. So it's making sure your systems are patched properly, making sure that your intrusion detection systems, your, your IDS and firewalls are configured properly and up-to-date, making sure your antivirus software is up-to-date with you, you know, proper attack signatures to look for different events. Having a secure security information event management solution, which aggregates all the log files from these different events, from these different systems, and, and looks for anomalous behavior and helps you identify patterns from when people are kind of attacking networks. So, a lot of the basic security measures that any organization should have in place today, it's really important to make sure you keep those up to date. It's especially important when you look at, you know, on this security information event management solution, pulling in all that log information, it's really critical to look at what are the new attack signatures, where is their activity coming from. So if I don't, you know, pick a country, you know, China, India, wherever you want to go, the United States for that matter, certain parts of it, if I don't normally have network activity from that region or from that area, all of a sudden I start to have that type of activity, that might be something I'm concerned about. And so I want to have the solution be able to provide me with alerts that say that might be anomalous behavior that I should be uh, taking a closer look at. So those are a couple of things, kind of the basic stuff. To, to take it a few steps deeper, you want to have a, a layered approach to security, what we call defense in depth. And this is taking the, you know, your, your security that you have in place today, then looking at the next level around your data. Because at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is protect the data. But you don't want to treat your data, uh, all data the same. Some data is sensitive, and, and some data, if it, if it was compromised or got onto the public, uh, it wouldn't be detrimental to your organization. So you may, may not want to put the same security measures on that data as you would your sensitive data. For your sensitive data, you're going to want to make sure it's encrypted while it's in motion, encrypt that data while it's at rest, and then control who has access to data and what systems have access to data. Doing strong identity management and access rights to that information. One of the problems that you see in an organization over time is that people get escalated privileges to information or data or they gain additional privileges that they don't need. So if I'm working in the finance department, I have you know access to certain financial applications. But then two years later, I get a promotion, I'm transferred over to the HR department, I'm working in HR now, and I have access to those HR applications. But because my system isn't coordinated, I still have access to those financial applications. And so now I have this heightened level of access to data 
and that and I become a prime target really for a, a spear phishing type of attack where if, if somebody got access to my you know credentials and were able to log in as me, they would have access to a lot more information than they would if they just attacked one person who maybe you know have limited access. For those who may want to give up Secure ID as their tool to identify themselves as they access a system, besides going to another tokens, are there other kind of alternatives that they could use? There are, and I think a, a couple options to look at leveraging biometrics. So with the, uh, the advancements in smartphones today, the capabilities of those phones to process information, they have cameras on those phones adding additional biometrics to them, such as voice recognition for a biometric. So I could access my network by using a voice biometric or a face recognition or a combination of those two very inexpensive types of biometric solutions to use. Because, again, most people have cameras on their phones now, and, and certainly everybody can you know, use the voice function. And uh, leveraging that as something of you know, something that's very individualized, incredibly difficult to try to copy. It's not something that can be easily copied from a, you know, a forensic perspective of, of going in and stealing my biometric information because the way it's stored, it's stored in, in just a series of ones and zeros that really don't mean anything except to the algorithm for that specific biometric vendor and specific biometric you're using. So I think biometrics are a strong play there and they're gaining a lot more acceptance uh, in the industry and so there might be a certain segment of your users that you want to have, you know, secure access, so you're going to provide them with biometrics. Again, you're kind of going back to the whole identity management perspective. There's some users that have secure access. There's some users that may just need to access the corporate environment to do their time card or, you know, do expense reports, some basic stuff. Those people, you might just be able to, as long as you have strong identity management, you get by with a username and password, and that's that would be sufficient because they're not accessing anything sensitive. Uh, but users who access sensitive information, maybe your sales data or you know, financial information, uh, other applications, you want to look at things like biometrics. Another way to authenticate users is through out-of-band communication. So what I mean by that is I log in. And some websites are doing this today. But if I log into my network, I can, you know, enter in my username and password. It already has my cell phone on file. So what it'll do is it'll actually send a kind of a one-time password as a SMS message or text message to my cell phone. It's doing an out-of-band authentication where it knows I'm the owner of this phone. It's sending me that message so then I can enter it in as that passcode. So just another way of doing a one-time password without having to have these tokens from, you know, from the vendors that are out there. But those are just a couple of the ways that um, you can enhance your authentication. But, again, I think it really boils down to uh, taking the time to segment your data into what's the important data uh, and securing that and providing high level of security around it. It sounds very complex, and by that I mean to secure things properly, you're going to have to do a lot of different things. And do you think that there's a mentality out there for a lot of users that they have tokens and that's all they feel they need to be secure? You know, you're right. It does sound like a, you don't want to have to, you know, go the whole boil the ocean concept. And, and that's why I say, you know, let's let's look at what are, what's the real important data and let's focus on that first. You know, at the end of the day, I think all these recent hack attacks, uh, what they show is that nobody's really safe. Nobody's network is just truly secure. And you're dealing in a hostile environment, whether it's on the Internet or whether it's in your own corporate network. 
from people attacking and getting access or from insider threats. And so you always have to think that all your data is transferring over a hostile network. And how do you protect that data is the key thing you need to look at. And again, it's, you don't, you don't have to look at everything. You just have to look at what are those critical pieces of data, those critical pieces of assets that if they were compromised would really affect that business. And that's where you want to spend your time because you don't, you're right, you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, the money to, to do, you know, to everything at the same level. But if you take the time to look at those critical assets and then identify a strategy around how to secure them, right now that's the best people can do. And you can go out there and, and, and focus on that information, uh, properly or through a number of basic things. It's not, uh, you know, if, if we're talking a handful, a dozen applications, you know, a dozen databases that need to be secured within an organization because they have, you know, very sensitive information that wouldn't take a lot of time for, you know, a security analyst to come on in, do an assessment, uh, and come back to your results around it. These are the steps you need to take to properly secure that environment. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. No, thank you. I've been speaking with Unisys Vice President Steve Vincic. I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.